Uh, have you tried saying itty bitty kitty corn five times fast? I'm going to try, I'm going to try, I'm going to try. Right here. Itty bitty kitty corn, 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 itty bitty kitty corn. That was amazing. Okay. Hey everyone, this is Bianca Schultz from the Children's Book Review, and this is the Growing Readers Podcast. In this episode, I talk with the best-selling superstar duo Shannon Hale and Lewin Pham about their picture book, Itty Bitty Kitty Corn, a delightful kitty and unicorn story that celebrates the magic of friendship and being exactly who you want to be. As you listen to both Shannon and Lewin talk about creating stories together, you'll very quickly understand why their books are so fantastic. Before we jump right in, here's a little bit more about Itty Bitty Kitty Corn. Kitty thinks she might be a unicorn. She feels so perfectly unicorny. But when unicorn clop, clop, clops over, sweeping his magnificent tail and neighing a mighty neigh, Kitty feels no bigger than a ball of lint. Can this unlikely pair embrace who they are and truly see one another? In their first picture book together, the magical best-selling team of Shannon Hale and Lewin Pham put their horns together for the most heart-bursting, tail-twitching, fuzzy-feeling, perfectly unicorny story imaginable. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I am Shannon Hale, and I want to introduce my best friend, Lewin Pham, who is fantastic. Oh my God. Trademark. <laughs> Lewin has illustrated like over 120 picture books. She is a giant in the world of children's illustration. She won a Caldecott honor for illustrating Bear Came Along. She has written and illustrated a number of books like The Amazing Outside Inside and The Bear Who Wasn't There and Big Sister, Little Sister and Piece of Cake and oh, so many. I just love all her books so much. We're huge fans here in our house. Lewin and I have also been working together for many years and she illustrates the series the Princess in Black, and she illustrates the graphic novel memoirs, Real Friends, Best Friends, and Upcoming Friends Forever. And she lives in Los Angeles with her husband and two sons, a cat named Sardine and a gecko named Kumquat. <laughs> I don't know your cat's names. Darn it. Darn it. Okay. I can't do as good of a job, but here we go. 
all hail Shannon Hale. Oh, <laughs> that was the best I could come up with. Sorry, Shannon's like harder to come up with. Shannon is the phenomenal, wonderful. I was fangirling over her before we'd ever met. She's uh, one of those writers who you're just super lucky if you ever get to work with her. She has written over 40 books. Is it over 40 books? Is it now? I, I think it's about 40. I think you're almost at 50 now. I'm telling you, with me alone, you've done 10. I don't books. think so. That's a bit much. Uh, um, she's written many amazing books. Uh, the first book that she ever wrote that I just fell in love with was Goose Girl. And I knew the minute I read that, that I thought I, if I ever get a chance to work with this lady... <laughs> I'm going to take it, even if it's just to paint a book cover, because that was all she was doing back then. Um, she has since branched out. She writes amazing novels. She writes novels for adults and for young adults. Um, her Austin Land was made into a movie, which is an excellent movie starring um, the great Carrie. What's Carrie's last name? Russell. Carrie? Russell. She, I love her. And um, and then, of course, you know, she conquered the adult world and the young adult world and then the kid world. And then she started to think like, hey, I've got to attack them even younger. So she started making the middle grade <laughs> books and novels. She's done Squirrel Girl with her husband, uh, Dean Hale. She started going even younger with the Princess and Black books that she also does with Dean. Um, and now she's tackling the picture book world with me. Yay. So the, the latest picture book is going to be uh, Itty Bitty Kitty Con. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. It's my first ever picture book that I get to do with Wynn. And it's her like 130th. So that's but amazing. It's like I, no big deal for her. But for me, it's like, whoa. No, you know what? I'm going to make something clear here. This is a really like a very special situation that Shannon and I have got going. And I and because I've done so many picture books, I get to say it with like with with all my history behind me. This is not the same as most picture book situations. Like getting to do this, not only with a, a really incredibly talented writer, someone who you can drop two words at and she turns it into a script in three seconds. There's something to that where Shannon brings something to it that, that I've never really experienced with other writers. And it means that I get to bring my A game and making a picture book with someone who's just so talented and then is such a good friend of mine. I have no fear of saying, making mistakes in front of her or anything. And she has no ego, like zero ego. I have to step down my ego just to match her zero ego. <laughs> it's not a normal picture book situation, believe me. <laughs> well, so this makes complete sense because your new book is a celebration of friendship ultimately. Yes. And, and so to have two friends create a book on friendship, that completely explains uh, just why the book works so well. Is it true that you both came up with the idea while you were on tour for uh, your book that you collaborated on, Best Friends? Yes. Yeah. And so we should say this book came about, it's it's like Wynn was saying, it is just a completely different circumstance than normal. But just in case your listeners don't know how different a situation this was, um, usually a picture book author writes a manuscript and revises it. And once it's all done, if the pub then they sell it to a publisher, if they're lucky enough, uh, they're, it's extremely hard to sell a picture book manuscript, extremely hard. There's like very few that they're acquiring and because pe people like buy their old favorites a lot and it's, it's. And because they're shorter, I think more people write them than any other kind of book. 
So anyway, like, I don't even know what less than a 1% of picture book manuscripts would get published. But then at that point, the editor would pick a illustrator and contact an illustrator. And then the illustrator would illustrate it. And the writer and illustrator, wouldn't you say when that most of the time you never even talk to or meet the writer of the picture books you do? No, in fact, it's it's preferred by most editors to keep them separate because, and you know, there are good reasons for all of it, but yeah. it makes it, it constricts the creative part of it, but it's, it's mostly to allow the illustrator to do what they want to do to it and not hear the voice of the author in their head, which can be great sometimes. And then other times you're just, you just long to hear that other voice that created this and you want to know a little bit more about where it came from for them. So this But it doesn't, it can't be a collaboration in the sense that because the the script is is we get the writer and illustrator are separated, there really aren't changes to the to the text once the illustrator gets involved. It's not like the illustrator can then come in and say, "Well, I think that it would be more interesting if this character was explored more," for example, and the writer be like, "Yeah, let's do that more." That never happens. The well, illustrator can work the magic to bring out their thoughts through the illustrations, but. It, it can happen, but it's usually the illustrator becomes sort of a, you know, what is it, like a diva when they do that, when, when they're requesting too much and then nobody wants to work with that illustrator. And it's it's sad because it means like the service of the story, um, the, the, the story gets, loses a little bit because it doesn't have that ability to, to, inter to interact and to exchange. And then the other side of it is the illustrator can become a drawing monkey where there's the the editor or writer on the other side saying, no, we don't like the way you've done it. Do it like this and start micromanaging every little yeah. thing and bit of the illustrations. And um, so there's a lot of attempted picture books that um, so many great, amazing picture books, but there's also a lot of picture books that, you know, if you could see behind the scenes were kind of miserable ventures yeah. so that this was actually just a joy from day one. And it was two of us, it was us working together. It was never like one of us coming with the other idea and the other one, it was, it was, we were side by side, just pitching back and forth. Honestly, we were just, we were sort of like, I don't think we were even thinking of making a book. We were sitting. No, it was a game. It was a game. We were sitting in a coffee shop. We were supposed to be working on something else. It was in between school visits and you get some downtime and Shannon writes so many books and I illustrate so many books that of course we bring our work with us. And um, just on our downtime, we were chatting and, and you know, sort of, I, I can't remember how it sort of started, but we started tossing ideas back and forth. And Shannon said something that instigated me. She said something like, you know, it's not that easy to make like a picture book in the way that you're thinking for a writer. Yeah, I know. She was like, here oh. we are at the top of our game. You know, yeah. you're the, right, the top of your game. And I think you had just received a picture book manuscript uh, submission from somebody in your email or, and you were kind of looking at it and you're like, why don't we ever do a picture book together? And I was like, it's not that easy. You can't just yeah. say, write a picture book. I've tried. I'm terrible. <laughs> I just remember like Shannon saying that. And, and I kept thinking like, this doesn't make sense. She's, she's like a fabulous writer. And, you know, I've done 120 books. Like there's some experience between the two of us that we could probably find something that would work. And isn't it strange that we've worked together for as long as we have? And we've never done that before. We just never sat and thought, hey, let's come up with something in between the two of us. It yeah. had to come as an accident and as a game. And then because there was no stakes involved because we weren't thinking that we were going to sell this in any way, no. we just had fun. And she tossed out an idea and I tossed out an idea. And then, you know, we were laughing and then she went back to typing and I went back to drawing. And 
unknowns to her, I was um, sketching what we just talked about. And then unbeknownst to me, she was typing what we just talked about. And <laughs> 10, 15 minutes later, we kind of looked at each other sheepishly over our devices and we're like, you know, I, I think we have, I, I have something to show you. I have something to show you. And it was the same thing. It just, it was kismet. Like I can't describe any other time where something came together so well as that moment in that coffee shop. It's crazy. It was crazy. And then, you know, you have an idea when it won't leave you alone, you know, like it was exciting and fun and we were never thinking about it as a book or we will, we, of course we're thinking about it as making a book, but just for ourselves and started with these characters and what do these characters want? What do they yearn for? What's the connection? And throughout our tour, we kept working on it and then, but we went home and didn't want to stop working on it. And we kept like calling and texting and she came out and visited, I think for something else. I think you came out for the Raina Telgemeier event. Was that what it was? Yeah. We were and she there. stayed with me. Didn't you stay with me? I did. I stayed with Yeah. Me. And um, she's come out a couple of times and we would sit side by side at the table and she, she would be sketching and I would be writing and everything we did, we could do together. But then we eventually we had a, a dummy of the book. We had, she had drawn some, of the characters in full color, but she had laid it all out and sketched it out, the whole thing, words with the words we worked on in the pictures. And I, and then I had, we weren't going to do anything with it, but I had it on my computer. And every time I was around a kid, I was like, I have to show you this. <laughs> and I would read it to him, just the sketched version, mind you, of this book to the kid. And every single time, the kids were just like, their faces were, were going to fall off from smiling so hard. They just loved it so much. And every single time I would get to a certain line that I would have to stop because I would choke up from emotion, <laughs> that it ceased to just be a game because it like meant something. It was bringing joy to everybody I read it to, but it was also like so full of genuine heart. And then I started to say to Wynn, I think this needs, we need to do something with this. And Wynn was like, no, 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 no. I, I'm uncomfortable. I don't, let's just keep it between us. It's just, it is joyful, but it's, let's just keep it between us. There's something like, I mean, you know, I keep saying that I wish I'd known Shannon when I was nine years old, because we would have been like, we would have made thousands of books by now. I'm pretty sure half of them not published, but there was something just nice about having something that we didn't have to answer to anybody that I was just trying to please Shannon and she was trying to please me. And, you know, we were talking earlier about that hard balance that's found when you're publishing a picture book that an author gets matched with an illustrator and the illustrator can't talk and yada, yada. So there was, there were none of those boundaries in this particular project. I mean, she sat next to me and my great fear is being a drawing monkey and her great fear is being forced to write something. And there we were just sort of willingly saying, do you want it fuzzier? Do you want it bigger eyes? What yeah. color eyes do you want? <laughs> and I'd be like, no, you need to tell this part of the story and this has to happen. And, you know, and we were just exchanging these things, using each other's talents, um, like just foisting it onto each other, but knowing that we weren't doing it for any other reason, because we just wanted to take this one idea as far as we could possibly go with it. Yeah, we wanted to please each other. I mean, yeah. jumping forward, we, we, we sold it as a three book deal. And so we were, we've been working on the second and the third and uh, when made a comment about the second one, like that um, I, I re repeated a certain phrase two or three times and, and was there a different way to say that um, because there are some other really funny like words. And I went and wrote an epic poem. That's not going to be <laughs> in the book. 
But just to please her, I spent hours and hours like looking up into the sarises of all the different iterations of this kind of word and finding then spending hours finding rhyming words to rhyme with those words and wrote this enormous ode that will never be used for anything. But I showed her like a stanza of it and it made her laugh. So I was like, I'll do more. Do you, do you remember any of it off the top of your head? It rotated around the word patootie. I wanted her to yes, it was it's it's an ode to the unicorn's bum. And <laughs> I love it. I, I could I could read something. Wait a minute. Are you kidding me? I have so much on this thing now. I have so much on unicorn's bum. You have no idea. Let's see. It has to do with the second story. Don't think that we're right. It does. I, so I'm trying to find a um <laughs> He's simply majestic from horn to hooves and from tail to nose, he even improves. No, wait, that's that's the lead up. Oh, no, okay, here we go. Um, to speak with candidness about his gluteus maximus is faintly scandalous, quite nearly blasphemous. I am dubious that the pallidness can be anything short of fabulous, but I'm studious of its milkiness and find the size miraculous. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> you oh know, God. and that's the thing. That's where I think that, um, I mean, you know, I started writing because I found joy in it and I found identity in it and the same for when withdrawing. And then you, you get into publishing and it's your career, it's your job and there's still joy in it, but it is different. It's a business. There's expectations, there's deadlines, there's people who need things from you. There's publishers that are hoping that, you know, not just for you to express yourself, but to meet a quota or to fill a hole in the market or, you know, I, but everyone in publishing, publishing is lovely, but it is a business. And, and I think with Win, what we found is we've gotten back to just that primal joy of creation without having to think about how it's going to perform in the market or what sales with a capital S is going to say about it. I don't even know who sales are, but they always have opinions about everything. This is like, you know, do you remember like when you were in, I mean, I was like this when I was a kid in school. And if I found a friend to write something with and I could illustrate it, this is what we would have written at the age of nine. Like yeah. I'm positive that we'd known each other. This is what we would have written. And maybe we're a lot better at doing it now, but the essence of it would be exactly the same. Just absolutely very yeah. sweet story of this very silly little kitty that's just adorable and wants to be something more than what she, what she is. And there's... I think what's really nice about particularly this story, um, the Itty Bitty Kitty Corn story, is that there's an essence of truth to it that gives it the value, that takes it from beyond just a ridiculously adorable cat. Like, that was my job, <laughs> make a ridiculously adorable kitty, fuzzier, yeah. sillier, whatever. But if she had nothing to stand on, if she didn't have that kernel of, I want to be something more than what I am, if that truth didn't exist, then I don't think the story would have had as much heart. It would have just been a, a really cute emoji that we would have done and given out for free, you know? But that's where it is. That's where this came in. And that's where our friendship came in. And that's where this, the, the thing that drove this story is the thing that I think actually makes it a really good picture book that I think kids really seem to respond to beyond the big fat eyes, you know? Yeah. And if you think about too, I mean, what makes a friend? I think for me, when I have a true friend, it's usually because I feel seen by them. 
And I see something in them too, right? And when you form that connection and you feel seen by somebody, you know, your friendship blossoms. And I loved the essence of itty bitty kitty corn that it showed that, that, you know, I see you. The The, the picture book itself is just delightful and fun. And, and like you said, the, the kitten is fluffy and gorgeous and pink and has giant eyes. And you both of you delivered in such sort of your artwork, Lewin, is like it, there's a lot of white space and, and it allows the characters to pop with their color. And then Shannon, the text is so minimal, but you know perf- it's perfect and it just delivers just just gorgeously. So, oh, thank you. And I want to say that, you know, uh, although it says copyright text, Shannon Hale, Wynn and I really feel like we're co-creators of this whole thing together. So Wynn is, you know, we don't know who who wrote what or who said what, but her 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 uh, she's definitely part of the text as well. I want to say we added curly cues to each other's work, you know? Yeah. What it was we did. Maybe we did some of the major baking, but we like it was all kind of done together. And yeah, it was so integrated. It's just and and we're not worried about who did what. I mean, obviously, I did not draw the pictures. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> gonna teach you how to do it I know she is we meant to we actually had an ideal at one point I was like she's gonna teach me how to draw and then some I'm gonna have an illustration in there too but there was just there was just no reasonable way it would have been very clearly not the same illustrator it's funny you said the line um I see you that was from the beginning Shannon yeah that was a very that was the heart of it from the very beginning I mean, when we were tossing the idea back and forth about, oh, this kitty wants to be a unicorn, and it seemed like such a silly idea, and then it kept going and going. And I want to say that within that first conversation we had, that line, we said, I see you. And I remember the words were said, and then Shannon's eyes went, oh, like, yeah, yeah. you said, you said the words, like, and then for her, it was just, oh my gosh, game change. It was, and and the key of it was, I mean, I knew immediately, like I got goosebumps. As soon as you said, I was like, that's it. That's what the story is. It's nothing. It's an adorable kitten. And it's cute. It's a postcard until you get the story. And when said, I see, and I was like, that was it. And then the key of it is what comes right before. Because yes. a good line like that is nothing without a line right before. And the line that comes before is that when Unicorn says that he's a kitty corn and he says, I knew another kitty corn like you would see. And yeah. she says, yes. I see you. And that's the part that makes yeah. me cry. It's beautiful. I I loved it. It's so pure. It's so pure love. And like you said, that's what, that's what friendship is. Yeah. That's when you, when you really see the other person as they see themselves. And that's where growth starts. I feel like, I don't know, when and I are both eighties kids and, or we were born in the seventies, but you know, grew up in the eighties, the weirdo generation X and the generation that doesn't exist. And we, I think that we were raised in that, that kind of sensibility that you can never, you're never enough because if you ever, if you're ever complimented or praised, then that means you'll stop trying and you won't ever become anything. Yeah. And, um, but the actual truth is the opposite is the truth that kids are growth oriented. Humans are growth oriented. And when we can accept each other as being enough, we're more likely to grow. When Wynn says, oh my gosh, this couplet is hilarious. 
I'm like, do you want 80 more? You know, <laughs> I do. I want 80 more. Not, okay. Then I'll stop. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Then I will keep going because I want to please you and make you happy even more. And that's what I think is missing from maybe some of the, the, the way the childhood I was raised in. That I want to give to kids more. You are beautiful and perfect enough exactly as you are. And then they, in that secure and that love and acceptance, then they grow. So you said before, you mentioned the sales team. So, uh, (laughs) you know, sometimes the sales team may dictate a little bit about what an editor is seeking because they see, you know, what's moving in the bookstores. Um, For me, that was part of the reason why I wanted to keep it so much between me and Shannon for so long. Yeah. Because when there's two people in the room, there's two voices in the room, it's, it's a lot more genuine what you come up with. And it becomes a lot more frightening when someone comes in who, you know, all with good intentions. It's, it's like salespeople sometimes come off as, as bad people, but they're just trying to move your book and they're trying to move yeah. it in any way they possibly can. And unfortunately, it means that you more often than not end up compromising what you think the message is because it might not be a message that sells as well or that Amazon's going to pick up on. So how can you sell a book if no one buys it? Um, I want to say, though, that this time around, I think because we presented such a complete package and because Shannon and I sort of came on as a force unto ourselves, um, and we were very lucky that this was coming following, you know, a lot of successful projects that we had, that it gave us a level of clout that we probably wouldn't have had, say, 10 years ago. Um, given all that, I think it was, um, it moved us into a place where we felt safer. And I want to say this time around, I don't hear other voices as much. Abrams has been really amazing with this. And yeah. they, they've kept a lot of those outside voices out. And all we've heard is, we love this. We love this. Just keep going. Just keep going. And I'm going to grant that part of it is because we packaged up a really cute little, it just fits. It turns into emojis and she's, she's, she's adorable and she's cute. And anytime she goes on the screen, kids go gaga and that helps that really helps it's like the spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down she's the lump of sugar and the story that's coming across is being untouched because the lump of sugar is so pleasing to the eye and i I think somehow that's made this whole project a lot more hands-off such that we started working on the second book and i think there was so little interference on them in any way about what we were supposed to do. So much so that even I got a little freaked out, like, what should the second story be? Oh my gosh, Shannon, what are we going to do? How do we follow this up? And I think it was Shannon who's just like, you got to calm down, Win. <laughs> like, it's still just us. It's still just us. What do we write about as our as friends? What do we do? And settling back into that mindset of, let's go back and return to when we were nine-year-old girls and what was the story that we wanted to hear when we were nine years old? Like that has actually... Um, kept me from going a little bit too crazy about all of this and keeping it well, back. Part of the reason too, I think why after, after it wasn't just us anymore, why we, there was a bit of craziness was because our agents sold this book at auction. I mean, I think it was one of the biggest auctions of picture book of all time in children's books. I mean, it was a record breaker and that was, it was alarming. <laughs> Win and I are the worst. We're like, oh my gosh. And I'm even embarrassed to admit this because I think that, oh, I mean, 
something great happens. Like we get offered it, this big advance for this book and there's and there's a 12 different publishers clamoring for it and trying to one-up each other on advances. And Wynn and I are calling each other saying, oh no, what's wrong? No. This is terrible. <laughs> what do we do? Should we tell the agents to stop? No. <laughs> we were so scared and overwhelmed by it. We're really bad. Wynn and I are very similar. Um, personality wise, we're both ENFJs in Myers-Briggs, but you know, we're also just, I don't know, we're, we're very much kindred spirits in every sense of the word. And it's so funny to be working with a partner that has the same reaction that we just like get each other. Cause I know we know, we both know we should be celebrating ourselves. We are strong, independent women and we are not going to be, you know, we, if we, even if we were raised to diminish ourselves and that's what this world wants to tell us to do, we are not. And then as soon as anybody says, you're amazing and fabulous, we're like, well, hang on. <laughs> well, just take a step back, bud, okay? <laughs> but that was, that was kind of overwhelming when that was happening. And we were like, I mean, I think we were having like panicked Twitter conversations for like an hour before we were like, oh, wait, maybe we should say, we should pause and just be grateful for this for a second. But then we um, had, because of that, there was a lot of pressure too. We we're like, oh no, we have to really deliver for the second and third book now. But what we did was we we're like, let's just get together like we did last time. Next time we're at a conference, we went to like, you know, a cafe again and sat just the two of us. And we just started talking again. Uh, just started like telling stories to each other. Do you remember? They had nothing to do with Kitty and Unicorn. Yeah. And I remember there was one, and I'm, I want to repeat it because it's it's too bizarre, but there was one story that I told her about something that happened years ago that Wynn was like, that is interesting. <laughs> and we build on that for the second one. And then Wynn, Wynn had, a, had a thought that we build on for the third one. And e But even with that, this second one, we we had, I wrote dozens of different versions of it and never... We loved the idea, but there was something wrong. There was something wrong. Wynn did sketched it out several different times. We just couldn't get it. And then this last version, after a year and a half of this, Wynn took one little piece out of the story and yeah. it solved it just by cutting something. It yeah. was like a revelation. And suddenly everything in the story mattered more. You felt the emotion more. It felt like it was a small piece that felt like it was essential and it wasn't. And it, that was so amazing to me how how that can work. And you can see it so much more clearly in a picture book than in a novel because it's, you know, more compact. And the you can see how subtracting can can make all the difference. It was beautiful. There's something, it's, it's something about um, picture books. I think um, it's nice that you can solve problems visually. And I think that was where it came from. Was it visually we'd had sort of a complicated idea with, with the, like the gem of truth was there, but the idea was too complicated to pull off it as a picture mm -hmm. book. And I think the only way it could have been solved, and it's a again, a really good example of why it would take both the writer and an illustrator to working together to make this work was for the illustrator to like visualize this element. If you take it out, it makes the whole story smoother. Mm -hmm. And then everything clicks into place and it's and funnier. It was funnier. <laughs> no, it became funnier after you got your hands on it and you're like, Oh no, I've got space. And then she was able to throw in all these. And other you too. Now, now, the, now you are able to embody like unicorns movements made more sense and you had more room to make him funny. 
in that moment. It was amazing. And it's not like we hadn't tried to simplify in other ways we had, but it's sometimes just the right simplification. And um, if you look at the book, it's a really simple book. There's so few elements in it. It's against a lot of white space. And so really it's like you're taking what can be lovely, huge street and you're shaving it down to just the bare essentials. And that's what kitty corn is, which means that those bare essentials have to be very, very strong. And it's also a massive challenge because it means you have to be so, so economical in what it is that you choose to portray. And that moment of figuring out what do I say, what do I draw, is what makes the picture book like a very, very difficult medium to get. And we winnowed it down to so little, Shannon, like we just took it down to like the essence of it, that those stories are just so infinitely much more hard to um, to figure out where these stories are supposed to go. So it's, it's, I think some people assume that like longer books are harder to write because there's more words. But the the fewer words is actually more complicated. Yeah. And I what wasn't working about an earlier draft, um, and it was about 600 words long. And by taking something out, I was able to get the words down to 450 words. And that's harder to do it shorter, but by simplifying it, we didn't need as many words. Yeah. The pictures can do more of the heavy lifting. And it was, it made more sense. It was funnier. There's more room for the, when there's more room for the illustrations, there's also more room for the reader. Um, you don't want it one word longer than it needs to be. Can, can we touch a little bit on gecko and parakeet? Because they obviously, while they're not the main stars of the book, they're integral to the storytelling. You know, they help drive your story. So um can we talk about them and will we see them in the upcoming books? Yes. Yeah. So they started when we were first coming up with these ideas. Initially, we were thinking it would be Kitty's family members. Do you remember? Like yeah. I have a draft of it where it's like she's got like siblings and a mom and a dad who are telling her that she'll never be a unicorn. And um, and then it just felt so mean. I just, we wanted, we wanted the people telling her she couldn't be a unicorn to be, um, we were thought of them as the Greek chorus. They're the Greek chorus who are the truth speakers and saying what they see and saying what is. And by making them her family members, to me, it just felt too mean and personal. What we're really saying is we're not wanting to blame, you know, because Kitty's a stand in for kids. We're not wanting to say, you know, specifically, these are the people in your life who are keeping you back. We're saying, you know, just in general, sometimes there are voices that tell you who you can and can't be. And so Gecko and Par- Car- Parakeet, we said they're the Greek chorus, and we even made them rhyme. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just had a different feel to them. You know, and I, I'm going to say that choosing those two animals was purely selfish on my part. You remember, Shannon? I was just well, like, I was saying, it doesn't matter what animals they are, when, what's fun for you? I remember saying that. <laughs> she just, like, Shannon kind of just said, you know, what do you want to do? What do you, what do you think would be fun? And my son had gotten an, an orange uh, kumquat, I'm sorry, an orange gecko um, for Christmas a couple of years before, and her name's kumquat, and she's adorable, and she's very funny looking because her tail is the same size as her head, and I didn't know this, but um, geckos, it's a survival thing that their tail looks like their head so that if the, there's a predator in the wild, it can attack its tail thinking it's the head and the gecko will be able to get away. 
So a very healthy gecko has a very fat round. It looks like a kumquat on the end of her tail. And I'd never seen that before. And I remember thinking it was funny. And I remember when Shannon said, just what do you want to draw? I thought, oh my God, I really want to draw a kumquat. <laughs> I really want to draw this silly gecko. And again, I did not think it would go through because I kept thinking people would look at it and say, what is that thing? That's a gecko? That doesn't look like a gecko. And only true gecko people would know that it was a gecko. Um, but I drew it and nothing, nobody argued. No one in sales said, what is that? Like, people <laughs> and so, the parakeet was just, was it just, I just remember seeing the sketch. You didn't, I don't it was just, why. what was it? I don't remember why we drew or why I drew parakeet. I feel like you told me to draw it or maybe you asked me to do a bird or something. And at one point I remember saying a duck and we were, you had already done ducks. You'd done yeah. a lot of ducks. <laughs> so maybe we were just thinking bird. I don't remember, but it was the most marvelous fat parakeet. Just the body shape of it was so glorious. I fell in love immediately. It's always, whenever I'm doing sketches of characters, especially like with Shannon, um, I mean, we do other books and I, I try not to do it because I don't want Shannon's voice in my head all the time. But this one, it was just like, Shannon, what do you think? Fatter, bigger, fluffier, do this. <laughs> and it was just like, okay, 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 slow down, let me catch up kind of thing. And I think Parakeet was, was exactly that. I just kept thinking if I draw a standard Parakeet, she's not gonna laugh. So let's make something that's really, really silly and funny and puffed up and you know, wings that can't possibly hold her up. Tiny <laughs> little wings and a big round middle and huge eyes that just stare. It's just got so much personality. But it's, I think those characters are, are great foils for uh, kitty corn and unicorn. And they're sort of, they're sort of like the little pushy kids on the playground, but that, you know, have good natures behind them. They're not really going to hurt you, but they, they, they do sort of aggravate your life a bit, but they don't destroy your life. They're actually quite a, quite a lot of fun. And I think that's how we, we sort of see, that's how I see those two characters is just, they're there, you know, like a little brother or sister to sort of yeah. you and poke exactly. you, but they, you know, they still want to hang out and they, they want to be a unicorn in the end too. So everybody. Yes. They're the end pages when just, oh my gosh, the end pages are amazing. And at the end pages, you see um, this whole story. It could be a whole other book of just um, of <laughs> parakeet. Is it parakeet that makes the two horns? No, it's Gecko. I think Gecko is the more earnest of the two characters. Parakeet's a little more of the um, the snotty one. The one that's yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, much fun. so so do we get any hints on sort of where the story will go next? Or are we just honoring this moment of itty bitty kitty con right now? <laughs> I think, I mean, it's safe to say it's a friendship series. It's really about the friendship of these two of, of these two characters and the way it's specifically about the way they support each other in being who they are. And that's the element from the first book that I think that will carry over. And we have already been working on the second and third and um, it's amazing how it just, there's more to say about this, you know, that it's not, it, it doesn't feel, I feel really actually blessed that this was just doesn't feel like we hit gold with the first one. And now we're just going to keep beating out the same old formula. You know, it actually feels like we have really precious and fresh, sweet ways to keep exploring this idea that um, excites me. I'm going to say too, that um, this past year being such a crazy year and everyone under quarantine and, you know, relationships have been tested like crazy. This past year has actually been really 
for me, it's made me feel strangely like closer to Shannon. Like I check in a lot more with her. I make sure yeah. she's okay. And, and I know that the, the, the growth of our friendship is it's, it's always seen through these books, but that's where I'm starting to get the idea that we've got so much more to say because our friendship keeps growing and it's, yeah. and it's growing not in the way of like, Oh, let's check in on each other on Facebook. It's growing in the sense of, Oh my gosh, are you okay? How are you doing? And we've, we've gone through such a, a difficult time this past year that we've, we've just had to stretch and find ways to connect with one another in ways that we hadn't before. Yeah. And I feel like that's where these books are going to grow because you discover, you know, at the age of 40 something in your life that it's not, it's not um, a state. It's not like a, it's not like a, something that doesn't grow a relationship that you constantly have to sort of feed it and, and motivate it and make it go in different ways and go into areas that maybe you're not terribly comfortable talking about, but that, you know, you need to be able to go there to help the other person. And all of those things I think can, are going to feed these stories. Like, I think the second book was a lot like that was we, we sort of wanted to see how can this, how can we tell a story that, um, that um, moves from the first book and it becomes actually pretty natural. And now it's, and now it's like, I'm looking towards future ideas of stories and we haven't said, we haven't had a chance to sit down and talk about book four and five and six, but I just know that there are so many places for these characters to go because our friendship keeps growing and our friendship Mm -hmm. keeps expanding in different ways. And that comfort is great. That's it's it's like preserving again that sense of being a kid and writing these books when you were a kid with you know with your best friend. You just you feel safe with that fourth grade best friend more safe than you do now. You know, yeah. <laughs> like friends forever sort of thing. That those are the ones that are going to last forever. And yeah, that's it. I, yeah, I it's I think we had a moment of panic when the book sold, and we hadn't yet talked about book two and three. Yeah. But once we got past that and had, you know, we have such confidence in each other as co-creators and as best friends that it just feels like we can do this forever. And not just with these books, we also do the Princess in Black books, which is a totally different, by the way, creative process that we do those books together. And we do these graphic novels together too, which is another totally different creative process. I don't know that there's any else in the business that that has this the same way there's a lot of collaborators but mm-hmm. when and I now have three different series together that are completely different we have a graphic novel middle grade series we have an early chapter book series and now picture books that's crazy that's really unusual and I think that um, part of it is that when and I outside of each other also another thing we have in common is, we have so many different styles of the kind of art that we do. Yeah. We we really enjoy stretching ourselves and trying new things. And a lot of people um, don't realize how prolific Wynne is just because her style is not easily identifiable because she does so many different styles and so many different books. And I write for adults and young adults and middle grade and younger I'm children sure. and you're exactly the same, but in the writer form. Yeah, know. we're like each other's, yeah. Superheroes and then princess books and then, you know, adult Jane Eyre, Jane Austen sort of, like she kind of- Memoir sp- and yeah, screenplays and graphic novels and novels and yeah, all, all different kinds of things. And that's very natural for me and feels good. And 
honestly, if sales were involved in that decision, they would tell me just to stick with what people expect of me and do only that. And Wynne has resisted that her whole career too, and just done what she's pulled towards and done a, so eclectic. So we ended up kind of forming ourselves as professionals outside of each other, but becoming friends slowly over time. And then when we did come together, it was like, we're perfectly matched for everything. <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, a, a, anything that you have both done together well, and separately is just, it's amazing. Uh, we have a lot of your books here on the shelves in in my home. My my kids love them. I, I'm always oh. telling uh, first and second graders, they're going to grab that Princess in Black series. Uh, I was hoping that you would honor me both in trying something fun. Uh, have you tried saying itty bitty kitty corn five times fast? I have not. All right, I'll try it. Okay. Five times fast. Five times fast. Okay. Itty bitty kitty corn. 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 Ah, it is hard. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Itty bitty kitty corn, 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 itty bitty kitty corn. That was amazing. Okay. All right. Well, now this might make you laugh because I can't do it. Ready? Maybe, maybe you'll have put good luck on me. Itty bitty kitty corn, itty bitty kitty corn, itty bitty kitty corn, itty bitty kitty corn, itty bitty kitty corn. You know what? I tried it before and I couldn't do it, but you did it. It's friendship power. All right, listeners, it's your turn. You you try it in your car or in your bedroom, wherever you're listening. Well, oh my gosh, what an honor to talk to both of you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, if you would each like to just share where readers can maybe find you or connect with you. Yeah, I'm on shannonhale.com and um, we have a lot of events coming up for this book with lots of awesome independent bookstores that really need our support more than ever. Um, so if you're thinking of ordering the book, maybe sign up for one of the, register one for one of the events, um, buy a book from the bookstore, you'll get it autographed book plate with it by assigned by both me and Win. So you can check that out at shannonhill.com. And I'm at uh, laywindfam.com, but that's really hard to spell. So it's L-E-U-Y-E-N-P-H-A-M.com. And uh, I agree with Shannon. And eventually when all this comes to an end and we're able to go to bookstores and you have bought a kitty corn book, it's my great pride to always say that I sign and draw a picture in each book. So if you've bought a book from an independent bookseller, mind you, go ahead and go, go patronize those guys. Um, bring it along and next time we're doing a signing and I will be happy to do a little drawing of kitty or gecko or parakeet or unicorn in the books for you. Yay. Perfect. And I'll pop your links in the show notes so everyone can just click right on over to your websites. Thanks everybody. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us on. Thank you so much for joining us on this quest for growing readers. The Growing Readers Podcast is a production of the Children's Book of You. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other app you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show to get new episodes as soon as they launch. To discover more amazing books for kids, just like Itty Bitty Kitty Corn, I hope you'll visit us at thechildrensbookreview.com. Thank you.